You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show once again. This is episode 67 of season 3, episode 132 of The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. May 31st, 2021, also known as The Long Weekend, or if you will, as I prefer, Memorial Day. Today is Memorial Day. I talked a bit about that on yesterday's podcast, and I want to say again, thank you to all of our military service members who are listening. United States Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and now Space Force. Thank you for your service, for all that you have done, all that you are doing, all that you may do, because we don't know what the future holds for this country in a time when China, Russia, Iran, North Korea posture as if we might get into a war with them at some point. Who knows what your country may need from you in the future. God only knows. But thank you for your readiness, your willingness to step up to the plate, to get all of the necessary training and conditioning. Thank you for keeping yourself in good shape. Thank you for being in a ready status for our defense, for our well-being, and to defend our way of life. Today, we're going to talk about the movie, The King and I. That was the movie night choice this weekend. But before we're going to get into that, before we talk about Yul Brynner and Deborah Kerr and how movies were made in 1956, I want to talk about... American Truck Simulator, just a little bit. That is probably the oddest possible juxtaposition of two things that I could put in an episode. But there we have it. This weekend, my fourth son, Daniel, who has been playing a lot of this game over the past week, talked me into buying American Truck Simulator on my computer. He had already bought it on his mother's computer, and also he had downloaded it on the laptop, but he paid for it with his own money, and obviously when he is playing it on one of those computers with his license, I can't play it on my computer, and I kept resisting the urge, trying to resist the urge to be a backseat driver as he was playing, and finally he persuaded me by hook or by crook, to get the game myself. So Daniel's playing this game. And what it is, is you are a truck driver. You start out the game, and you don't have any money to speak of. You have a little bit, but not really much to speak of. And you are just working for whoever, right? You pick up a load, and you take it from point A to point B, and you deliver it. And along the way, you have to obey the rules of the road. You have to obey all traffic laws. You have speed limits to contend with. You have physics to contend with. 
you have the weight of the load that you're pulling and gravity sometimes to contend with if you're going through the hills or the mountains. You have traffic to contend with, not running over other people, not colliding with them in some form or fashion. You have fuel and rest level to contend with. Your truck can break down and you might have to call for a tow. You might get yourself stuck where you're not really able to get yourself back out of this place that you pulled into without jackknifing your truck. So you call an emergency tow. Or if you run out of fuel in the middle of your run and there's no fueling stations, there's no gas stations close by, you might have to call for some emergency fuel. And so all of this goes into the mix. And as you take these loads from point A to point B, you get paid a certain amount. And if you're on time or early, you can make more money and get bonus points. And as you level up, you can upgrade your truck. You can upgrade your own capabilities to where your access to a variety of loads changes. You can buy a truck once you get a certain amount of money. You can borrow money from the bank and then you've got to pay back such and such an amount every day. So then you have to make more than that amount in order to stay profitable. You can buy your own trailers, your own equipment. You can get things upgraded and put all kinds of bells and whistles on them to where they look all customized and flashy. And at the end of the day, what it is is you're imagining life as a truck driver. That's the game. Now, coming from a household growing up where... My dad, from about the age of 11 or 12 through the rest of my childhood, drove truck. It's not really ever been a romantic notion to me to be a truck driver. But then again, as I'm watching my son play it, he's delighted. He's just having the time of his life playing this. He thinks it's so fun, and he's laughing, and he's smiling, and he's got the biggest smile on his face. Even when he gets himself in trouble, it's exciting. And if he can avoid getting himself in trouble by successfully maneuvering, it's even more satisfying because <clears throat> it's not a given. But I'll admit it is a fun game. It is not an expensive game. It wasn't an expensive game. I was able to pick it up on a pretty good deal on Steam. And I spent maybe $45 all told getting all the DLC, all of the expansion material Getting the state of Colorado added was 10 bucks, for instance. Utah was $8. <clears throat> Some various packs of other things, skins and decorations and things like that that you can get in the game. All of it totaled to you know about $40 of the $45. The game itself, the core game, was $5. So that's how they get you. But... It was fun. I enjoyed playing it with him. And he told me yesterday afternoon, evening-ish, that it was the best day of his life and he so much enjoyed playing American Truck Simulator on the computer behind me in my office as I was playing American Truck Simulator on my computer. So then we're both hauling loads here and talking back and forth and he's trying to ask me, hey, you know, where are you at right now? Oh, I just went there. Okay, cool. That's fun. So that was cool, right? It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't something that necessarily is going to change my life, but it might change his. 
in some form or fashion. The fact that I was playing this game with him will probably be a memory that he holds with him for a long time to come. And that was actually most of the reason why I got the game is just that it's an opportunity to do something with him. And we don't really go out a whole lot. We don't go to movies as a family very often. But if we did, we could easily spend 45 bucks. So what's $45 to buy a game that we can play together? In my opinion, it's not too much. It's not extravagant. It's not a huge expense. And if it gives us a shared experience, something we can talk about and uh, have fun with for an afternoon on a Sunday, then why not? But it's a funny thing because here I'm thinking through the implications. I was talking with my wife just briefly before I ended up picking up the game and he's just playing it about we better watch out when this kid has a driver's license because sometimes he's just a little bit wild and crazy behind the wheel. He does not always obey the traffic laws, and sometimes he just puts the pedal down, and he's not really worried about what the speed limit is here. He's going 80 and a 55 and racking up fines and tickets and things like that. It's like, son, you got to you got to slow down. you got to pay attention to the speed limit there. Easy. But to be fair, he's got a number of years before he is old enough to have a license. And I think if you're going to get something out of your system with regards to the need for speed and a enjoyment of violating the rules and the laws of the road, better to get that out of your system in a simulator on the computer now he's got four years to learn how to keep it between the lines four years five years six years to figure out how to manage a trip intelligently hey my turn is coming up I need to get over there's somebody in that lane I might need to either slow down so that they go forward and I can successfully move into that lane, or I might miss my exit, in which case I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go down one exit and then turn off, come back around, and that's going to prolong my trip. Those kinds of things, those are real life decisions you have to make sometimes. And if he learns how to not panic in that moment, how to be scanning the road ahead, how to be thinking ahead, if he learns the dynamics and the physics of how a semi-truck needs to speed up and slow down and go into curves and go into turns and be able to handle these heavier loads that reduce your reaction time, that's good. I think that's a good thing. I think that actually can have some real-world value. I got to thinking to myself, what if Daniel Joseph Mullet did end up growing up to become a truck driver? And if this was part of why he grew up to be a truck driver would I be okay with that? You know, obviously, most people don't grow up thinking that is my life's goal. Like when I was a kid, my life's goal wasn't to go into oil and gas. In fact, even in my early 20s, my goal wasn't to go into oil and gas and to do what I do now. My life's goal was to work for the Lego company, right? That was what I wanted to do. Or maybe I wanted to be a veterinarian because I liked animals. But 
I didn't aspire to work in oil and gas and work on instruments and get people standing over my shoulder and asking, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Uh, that was not my life's goal, but that's what I do now. And is that less honorable than working for the Lego company just because that's not what I initially dreamed of doing? You know, if my daughter is asked, and if she's consistent, I don't know what she would say today, but last time we asked her what she wants to be when she grows up, she wanted to be a doctor, which is exciting. Okay, cool. You know, I'm all right. And also she wants to have 20 kids. Hmm. Mm. Well, okay. You might not be able to do both of those things at the same time, sweetie. I don't want to tell you you can't, but that would be a real challenge to have 20 children and be a doctor. So as you get older, you you might have to recalibrate your goals and you might have to decide, are you doing this or are you doing that? What are your priorities? And my perspective is so long as my boys and my daughter have a good work ethic and they have integrity, and they have honesty and they work as unto the Lord and they treat the people that they work with and work for and work around with a God-honoring attitude and respect, so long as they earn their living in an honest way, working hard, working smart, I don't particularly care what their title is. My dad was a truck driver for most of my life, and he was a good one. He was a safe driver. He was conscientious. He was effective. He was skilled. He took pride in his work. And that's how he put food on the table for me and my brother growing up. And I don't see that as any less worthy of honor and dignity and praise. And so what? If Daniel does say right now he wants to be a truck driver when he grows up, what of it? Is that a problem? Is that concerning? I don't think so. If Evelyn says she wants to be a doctor someday, maybe I should have more concern about that, right? Like, what are the metrics that we use for evaluating these things? You know, I could look at the truck driving situation and I could say, well, that's, I know from watching my dad growing up, I know that that can be a stressful job. I know that that can mean odd hours. It can mean long hours. It can mean a lot of fatigue, especially if you're driving truck at night. It can mean a lot of stress, particularly if you're driving in a congested part of the country where there's a lot of traffic. It can be dangerous. It can be actually a very dangerous job because the road is very very unforgiving. Not very forgiving, very unforgiving. And even though you're in this big truck and you would think that that protects you, that's also a lot of weight to try and stop when you realize all of a sudden you need to stop because somebody pulled out in front of you. They're not being very aware of their surroundings and they just pulled in front of you and slammed on the brakes and now you've got just a little bit of time to avoid running them over, running over their vehicle, injuring them, getting your license revoked, et cetera, et cetera. Well, okay, now do the medical profession, right? Now do being a doctor. And you've got to go through all these years of schooling 
And are you being told really how to restore health and how to safeguard people's health? Or in some cases, are you being told how to avoid liability, how to avoid getting sued for malpractice, how to pay your malpractice insurance? Are you being trained to sell pharmaceuticals? And you're, you're just a legal drug dealer, right? Like there's hazards, obviously, in the trucking profession. There's also hazards in the medical profession. And do we help our children out if we say, ooh, there's hazards here and I don't like that, so I'm going to discourage you from doing this thing that has hazards? Or do we help them out more by saying, okay, what would it require to get you ready for that, if that's what you really want to do? How do we pursue this in an intelligent and a wise way? You know, I think this trucking simulator is a great thing, even if he doesn't stick with the idea of wanting to be a truck driver when he grows up, which, I'll, you know, again, I didn't grow up to become a Lego company designer. If he doesn't stick with wanting to be a truck driver when he grows up any further than his interest in this game. Okay. But he's learning some valuable life skills that translate no matter what he does. For instance, keep your expenses low relative your income. I want to get this truck. I want to get this trailer. I want to get these upgrades. I want to move into this category of achievement. How am I going to do that? How do I get to that next level? Well, I'm going to have to save up or I'm going to have to finance it. And if I finance it, what's the cost of financing? Or if I save up, how long is it going to take me to save up? And what do I have to do in order to save up? I've got to work, right? I could get this and this and this and this and this, or I could save up and I could spend my money on something that's going to make me more money quicker. And then I get the bells and whistles and then I get the flashy decorations for my truck. Maybe, for instance. That's good. That's good stuff to think about. Hey, I'm supposed to be delivering this on time. And if I am too slow about it, and I get lost, and I'm not paying attention, and I bump into some other people on the road, and I'm breaking the speed limit, and that's all being a cost. If I pass up an opportunity f to fuel, and all of a sudden I'm stuck on the side of the road waiting for somebody to come and fuel me up because I didn't think about, do I have enough fuel to get where I'm going? That's all good stuff for anyone to learn, no matter what they're going to do when they grow up. And if the good Lord desires, purposes, plans for Daniel to be a truck driver when he grows up, then praise God. And may he be a good truck driver to the best of his abilities, to the glory of God. Amen. If Solomon ends up becoming an artist and I'm like, oh, can you make money as an artist? Is that going to be able to support you? Well, how do we help, right? Like, how do we help you to cultivate these skills and an awareness of that that is reasonable without scaring you away from doing something you enjoy just because there's going to be some hazards there? There's hazards in anything. We don't want to bury our talents in a field and say, ah, well, there's hazards over there and over there and over there. I knew that you were a hard man who reaps where he doesn't sow. So I 
buried my talents in a field. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that ourselves, and we don't want to be that with regards to our children. We're so afraid of them failing that we discourage them from ever trying. We don't want to do that. So I'm going to encourage the whole American Trucking Simulator thing. Why not? Why take it too seriously? But then again, why not use it as an opportunity to teach some valuable skills? Why not lean into it and use it as an opportunity to have some good father-son bonding experience? I'd rather that than say, oh, no, son, why don't we play this instead? Why don't we play, I don't know, American Pediatrics Simulator 2021. That's not a game, I don't think, but just an example. Now, on to the main topic of this episode, which is not American Trucking Simulator. It is The King and I. The King and I is what we chose to watch this weekend, this past weekend. Yesterday was Sunday. The day before that was Saturday, as you are probably familiar. It's the same in your household. And the weekends, we like to watch a movie as a family. It's become a bit of a tradition. That's what we try to do Saturday evening at least. And if the movie's too long, then we might watch half of it on Saturday and half of it on Sunday, often accompanying our movie watching with some homemade pizza by my wife, Lauren, and also maybe sometimes some ice cream. So this weekend we chose to watch The King and Die, a film from 1956 starring Yul Brynner and Deborah Kerr. The summary of the movie is as follows, if you've never seen it before. According to imdb.com, Mrs. Anna Leonowens and her son, Louis, arrive in Bangkok, where she has been contracted to teach English to the children of the royal household. She threatens to leave when the house she had been promised is not available, but falls in love with the children. A new slave, a gift of a vassal king, translates Uncle Tom's cabin into a Siamese ballot. After expressing her unhappiness at being with the king, the slave decides to make an attempt to escape with her lover. Anna and the king start to fall in love, but her headstrong upbringing inhibits her from joining his harem. She is just about to leave Siam, but something important she finds out makes her think about changing her mind. This is a movie that I grew up watching off and on. It was one of the first movies that we owned on DVD when DVDs first became a thing, when they first displaced VHS tapes. This was one of the first movies that we owned on DVD, and I watched it a fair number of times. I don't know how many, but plenty. We enjoyed watching musicals growing up. My mom was a piano teacher. She was an accomplished pianist. And so it wasn't unusual for us to have music in the house. In fact, it was a daily occurrence. We have music in the house, her playing piano. And it wasn't unusual for us to watch movies that were musicals because music is music. Music is part of life, right? The King and I was a bit different, right? So The Sound of Music, that was a musical that we watched a lot. The Sound of Music, The King and I, Fiddler on the Roof, those were 
the movies that we watched most often when it came to musicals. And I have those still as probably my three favorites because in addition to just being objectively a good movie, there's a nostalgia piece from having grown up watching them. There's kind of a, I don't know, a familiarity that I like. I like watching these movies again and feeling like I've been transported back in time to an earlier time in my life, to a younger age, when the world was a bit simpler in some ways, less simple in other ways. But Yul Brenner in The King and I is brilliant. He's fantastic. And Yul Brenner in general, great actor. I didn't realize, actually, there's a small rabbit trail, not directly related to The King and I, except that Yul Brenner is the principal star. He plays the King of Siam in The King and I. But did you know that Yul Brenner was actually an emigrant to America from Russia? He was a Russian-American actor. I had no idea. I've never actually researched him before today, but then as I was getting ready to record this podcast, I thought, well, why don't I look this up real quick? I'll have IMDb ready with a summary and a synopsis for me to read so that it's succinct. And I can look up a couple other details and see who people are. And I thought, just for anyhow, I'm curious about Yul Brenner, right? Like, what is the accent? He speaks with an accent in all the movies that I've ever seen. It's obviously a genuine accent, but where is it from? Where is he from? Part of the reason for me looking it up is that when we watched this movie as a family this weekend, playing it on Amazon Prime, one of the things that flashes on the top of the screen for the rating at the beginning, it shows you this little banner, and it tells you what the movie is rated for. And one of the things that they've decided at Amazon to throw in there is, quote-unquote, yellow face. So the king and I, if you can believe this, Please make sure you're sitting down. The King and I is full of people pretending to be somebody that they're not. I know. I know. It's, it's shocking. I, I didn't know that until very recently, but it, there are people in The King and I who are not what they appear. They're not who they appear to be. They're not. I mean, Yul Brenner is not actually the King of Siam, for instance. Um, yeah. So so that's a thing, I guess it used to be that when people made movies, sometimes you would hire what they call actors to pretend to be somebody that they're not. And one of the ways that people used to be comfortable with making movies is that you would have somebody pretending to be someone of a different ethnicity, I guess. So Yul Brenner is not actually Siamese. Um, he's pretending. He's pretending to be Siamese, which is not good, I guess. Supposedly, maybe, kind of. I don't know. I don't think it's an issue. Why? Why? Why are we putting Yellowface as part of the rating here? What? Why? Right? Like why? Just stop. Stop. That's what acting is, right? Acting is someone pretending to be someone else because you're telling a story. 
Yul Brenner does not need to be a native of Siam. Now, like, what's next, right? You're going to say, this film was not actually filmed in Siam, right? They say they're in Bangkok, but it's not actually. This isn't actually Bangkok, right? <laughs> Get a pulse, right? Anyway, The King and I is a movie about East meets West. The King of Siam hires this English woman, this widow, to come and teach his palace, his royal household, his harem, his children, his many, many children, by his many wives, English. So she's supposed to teach, quote-unquote, scientific ways because she's from a scientific country. England is regarded by the King of Siam as a scientific country. Okay, well, that's sensible, makes sense. That happened a lot. And actually, I didn't realize this, but apparently the King Dai was based loosely on memoirs of an English woman who was a teacher in the court of the King of Siam, like a real-life person. Now, obviously, they sang and danced a little bit less or a little bit differently, probably, in the real-life version of this, but hey, it's fine, right? And you know, Throw some music and, and songs in there. We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you for that. Might not forgive you for the yellow face, but we'll forgive you for singing and dancing more than they actually did in real life. But it's such an interesting movie. My wife had never seen it. Lauren had never seen it. That was part of why we decided to watch it. My kids had never seen it before. And so this is part of the ambition and campaign to expose my children, especially to culturally enriching experiences. This is part of their education, as far as I'm concerned. And so now they can say they have seen The King and I, and now they will be saying etc., 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 left and right over absolutely everything. And uh, now they'll be speaking in what I didn't realize, but is actually a, a Russian accent like Yul Brenner when they're trying to seem imperious. But you have, in the case of The Sound of Music, you have a nun leaving the convent Maria makes me laugh. She's going to go and live with Von Trapp, Captain Von Trapp, and his seven children. And she's the governess of these seven children. And along the way, she being unmarried, he being a widower, they fall in love. Not to spoil anything, but they fall in love. And they end up getting married. And that's for the best. She's a good thing for him. He is a good thing for her. And their marriage is a good thing for the children and for both of them. And it's this beautiful story. And in The King and I, it, there's this different dynamic. It's just an odd dynamic to try and explain to my children. So one of the things that I have to explain this morning is, who is Buddha? Because Buddha makes an appearance... Because Siam was a Buddhist country, the king of Siam was a Buddhist, they have references to Buddha. And where a Christian might pray to God, and in The Sound of Music, they pray to God, 
for strength, for peace, for protection, for provision. They thank him for their food. In The King and I, the King of Siam, asks Buddha for his blessings as they are trying to navigate some various things, various tricky situations. So then I get the question from Daniel, from Evelyn, who is Buddha? Okay, well, here's a teaching moment. Here's a learning opportunity. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about some world religions a little bit, now that you're asking. Another interesting thing to unpack is the fact that the king of Siam has a harem. He has lots of wives, and he has lots of children. And so then we're in the middle of watching the first half of the movie on Saturday night, and Eli's got this scrunched up look on his face. He's like, so how does that work exactly? Like, he's got children by different wives, and he just, like, picks one that he wants to have a kid with at different times? Like, what? Huh? Like, what's what's going on here? And I'm just like, uh, yeah, pretty much. That's, that's what it is. That's what polygamy is. That's what has been the situation in many cultures throughout human history. And you see a bit of that in the Old Testament in particular. You see the negative connotation uh, opposed to that in the New Testament, where overseers and deacons explicitly are to be husbands of one wife, which is to say, presumably, that not everybody that was part of the church in the New Testament, when that was being written by the Apostle Paul, not everybody presumably was monogamous. You had some people with more than one wife, I guess, and they could still be part of the church. They just couldn't be an overseer or a deacon, I would assume. But that's another interesting thing for us to unpack. Here's a teaching moment. Here's a learning opportunity for you guys. Let's talk a little bit about polygamy and Buddha. The other thing I get asked is, by my daughter. So wait a second. This girl is a gift? Like the the movie opens with this slave being gifted to the king of Siam by the king of Burma. And so then my kids are just like, that's weird. Like, why would you give a person as a gift? Well, it's a beautiful young woman. She's a slave. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. Right, like maybe I won't get into that just just yet, but I did say you have throughout much of human history, in many places, in many cultures around the world, this idea being normal, uh, and it's only in the past <clears throat> 150 years or so that there's been pushback against this broadly speaking to stigmatize slavery. Rightfully or wrongfully, that's a a relatively recent development. For a long time, in many places, it was not unusual for one person to own another person or to own many other people. And so in a culture where that's not so unusual for someone to own other people as slaves, it would not be so unusual for one person of means to gift a person, a slave, to another person of means. That would be an extravagant gift. Not so unusual 
but here's a picture, right? Here's a, a little concept art on what that has looked like when you read about it in history books that so-and-so owned slaves or they had a harem or they had a faith in or practice of worshiping Buddha. It's interesting to me too, this dynamic of East meets West, you have a colonialism piece theme to the king and I, where the king of Siam thinks of himself in such and such terms. But obviously just by fact of him sending for this English woman to be a teacher to his children and his wives, he recognizes that if Siam is going to endure long-term, it needs to get with the times, it needs to modernize, it needs to learn English because the English are the preeminent power in the world at this time. The British Empire is the preeminent power in the world. And at one point when news leaks out that certain people are suggesting that the King of Siam is a barbarian and that maybe the English should come in and take Siam off of his hands because he is not a sufficiently enlightened ruler. That is a concern. That's a, a real legitimate concern that the king of Siam has. It's a thorny problem he's trying to figure out what to do about. How does he keep hold of his kingdom and keep from being protected right out of rulership, right out of power? That was a real thing that happened, and I'm not sold that it was always such a bad thing, actually, but what do we do with it, right? That's something to talk through and to think about. This movie was made at a time when it was not so frowned on as it is today to talk about Western European powers and their colonies and their hegemony and their being imperious, being paternalistic, being condescending to other peoples and their ways of life. It was not so frowned upon as it is today, where it's treated as a categorical evil. Who has the power now? Well, it would seem that the anti-colonialism folks are ascendant, and the folks who believe that colonialism was not such a bad deal are not in power. And yet, we're going to prove that we're throwing off the yoke of the oppressors by tearing down statues, by canceling people from history books, by canceling movies, by putting something like Yellowface on the rating for The King and I. Give me a break. That's ridiculous. I enjoyed watching the movie with my family this past weekend. I thought it was fun. And it isn't to say that everything in the movie is laudable and that you praise it all and you say, hey, this is all so so wonderful to emulate or to internalize. But it gives you the basis for having a conversation about the things that aren't. For instance, we don't pray to Buddha, just for one instance. Uh, we don't whip our slave who was caught trying to escape the palace uh, with her lover, we don't do that. We don't own slaves. Uh, we don't, in our day and age, have this quandary of what do I do with a slave who has tried to escape because she desires to be free 
I'm just another woman to this king, and I'm wasting my life. We don't have dilemmas like that so much. But for a lot of human history, that might have been something that people had to grapple with. And if we whitewash history to where we erase every vestige, every hint that this was ever a thing, it's a counterintuitive, but we are more likely to repeat mistakes from the past than if we took a long, hard look at it and talked it through and grappled with, is this good or is this not good? And why or why not? Is this a good thing? I would rather my children grapple with these things and ask some maybe uncomfortable questions and talk it through and think it through and figure out what is true and what is good. First and foremost, according to God's word, secondarily from a practical standpoint, I would rather have those conversations and the younger, the better, as long as they can keep up and they can retain some of these things. It's just like the truck driving piece. Do I need to freak out if Daniel is blowing through a 55 zone at 80 miles per hour? In real life, yeah. In a trucking simulator at the age of 10, not so much. Not so much. The sooner the better that we get to talk through maybe why in real life that's not what you want to do. You will lose your license. You'll get a huge fine. You might go to jail. Uh, if trucking is your only line of work and you don't have anything else lined up and you lose your license and you're thrown in jail, mm, that's going to be really hard to reckon with, guy. Like, obey the rules of the road. Obey traffic laws and speed limits. But again, like I say, these are odd things to put together. The reason why they're odd is because you wouldn't think of a truck driver sitting there at a truck stop. He's got his rest period that's mandated by DOT. He's sitting in the back of his cab watching a movie. He pops in the king and die, right? That's not the first thing you think of pairing with American Trucking Simulator, the king and I. But the reason why we paired that together this weekend is because those are both opportunities to enrich our understanding and to develop a better perspective on life, to enrich our minds and our hearts, to give us some food for thought, to grow as people and as a family. That's why we did those things. And uh, it was good. It was enjoyable. It was fun. Not sure what we're going to watch this next week, this next weekend. Might try for another musical. A little calmer, a little less action-packed maybe, but a little calmer. It might have a calming influence on some of my boys that when they get worked up, they get a bit rough with each other, and we break furniture, and people get hurt. and So maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can watch musicals for a little while, see if that dampens the uh, effect. But I'm going to leave it there. That's all i got for right now. we got to get ready for guests coming over later today. I need to make sure some house cleaning is uh, getting accomplished. My boys are doing their chores. My daughter's doing her chore. I need to get ready for people coming for Memorial Day. David and Bailey and Isaac. We're going to have the pleasure of having them over, getting to know them. Getting to know them. Uh, anyway. We won't sing that when they come in. Thanks for listening, as always. Until next time, God bless.
You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.